Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is for us to join together in worship today, to sing of your praise, to know that it's your breath in our lungs. And now, Lord, we know we have your word to look into, which blesses our hearts, which gives us hope. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would direct our minds, our thoughts, and our faith to trust what your word has to say to us today. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship this morning. It's really been a whirlwind of the last couple of months for Linda and I. We decided in early May to sell our home in South Minneapolis And we listed it just before Memorial Day weekend, sold it the Monday of Memorial Day weekend, and uh, got the last box and pieces of furniture out of the house 11 days ago on June 30th when we had to be out. So we've really spent the last six weeks filling our truck with boxes and Tupperware boxes and hauling them out to our cabin, which is north of Fergus Falls, about 20 miles, and putting some of them in our kids' basement and shed and backyard. So it really feels good, honestly, to be with you today, not hauling anything other than my Bible, which I'm happy to haul. Uh, And it feels better that we can be together worshiping the Lord back here at Oak Hill Church. So thank you, Oak Hill Church, for being really such an important part of our lives in the past five years and beyond. And uh, we've really missed, as I said, being here with you. So it's good to be back. And thank you for the privilege that I have to share with you from God's word this morning. When you think about it, it's nearly impossible for anyone to read the New Testament without feeling this sense of joyful confidence throughout the pages. Uh, There was really no sense of defeatism about those early Christians. They talked about victory, victory, conquest, triumph, overcoming, This was the vocabulary of the first followers of Jesus Christ. And I think we'll find that same confident spirit in the words of our text today as I read from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. Listen to the Apostle Paul as he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, encouraging the first century church and encouraging the 21st century church reading from Romans 8, beginning with verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charges against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. 
Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, we ask that you bring these words close to our hearts and our minds, that they would penetrate, change our perspective, and give us the life that you want your children to enjoy. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So do you ever wonder if Christianity is one cruel joke and we're diluting ourselves, missing our only chance to really live it up? Life seems to be cruising by so quickly. It's not quite what you thought it should be. You've experienced obstacles, you experience setbacks, taxes, unpaid bills, discouraging doctor's reports, disappointing job interviews, obnoxious people, broken things, and constant repairs, and the list can go on and on and on. It's easy, isn't it, for the problems and the distresses of living to bring us down. We've all had our share of them, and you might be in the middle of an enormous struggle right now as I speak. And so as people of life's disappointments and setbacks, we need comfort, we need hope, and we need reassurance that our faith has substance, that it's not a cruel joke. That it's really the only thing that truly makes life worth living. So I'd like to encourage you today with four promises that are found in our Romans passage of Scripture. Not empty promises like the ones that we sometimes experience in our day-to-day encounters, but promises that come from the very heart of God. Promises that bring to us the joyful confidence that those first century Christians shared with each other. The first promise comes in verse 31 and 32. God is for us. I know that one of the easiest things for us to do when things go wrong is to blame God, to make him out to be the bad guy. 
But Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God is for us. Such a simple statement, but such a profound and powerful one. A tourist in New York City took a trip to the top of the Empire State Building and looking down from the top, he could see people on the sidewalks walking around like little ants. He said, I suppose this is the way that the people of the earth look to God. Well, what a terrible view of God. God doesn't look down from some high pinnacle and watch people struggle and suffer. Paul declares that he himself came down to them in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and went the way of the cross at Calvary to help them. God is for us. And Paul adds, will he not graciously give to us all things? With the cross as the ultimate demonstration of God's grace. Giving his dearest, his own son, to help us, the neediest, it naturally follows that that same gracious spirit will not withhold anything from those who are his. In 2 Peter 1, verse 3, Peter says, His his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God is for us. The second promise from our text is found in verse 33. God will not press charges against the believer. Paul writes, who will bring any charge against against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. So the language here is the language of the courtroom where we might We might imagine a case presented against us by the prosecution before the judge. Now, Scripture will tell us that Satan constantly accuses us, calls us hypocrites, points out the discrepancies that we have in our faith, tears us down, tells us that God doesn't care about us. And then added to Satan's accusations, we hear the law accusing us, And even the world will throw accusations at God's people. Is it any wonder why Christians often feel discouragement and feel defeated in their walk with God? We're constantly being bombarded by accusations, but especially in that spiritual realm where Satan works overtime. There's an event in the Old Testament book of Zechariah where Joshua, the high priest, stands before the angel of the Lord and Satan stands at his right hand to accuse him. But not a word gets out of Satan's mouth as the Lord rebukes him, saying, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. 
The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. And then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put rich garments on you. What a powerful picture we have here of God's love and grace. Satan will be silenced. His time is limited. The accusations will end. God has the final say and he will keep his promise, his promise of not guilty to his believing children. The third promise is close to the second. It's found in verse 34. Christ makes condemnation for the believer impossible. Verse 34 reads, Who is he that condemns? Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now it's one thing to be accused, but quite another to be condemned. And while many would accuse and even try to condemn the followers of Christ, no one has the authority except Jesus Christ. And because he has the right and the authority, rather than condemn us, he is at the right hand of God the Father interceding for us. In the second article of the Creed, the Apostles' Creed, we confess that Jesus was crucified, that he rose from the dead, that he's seated at the right hand of God, and that he will come to judge the living and the dead. But the picture for the believer in Christ is not that Christ will be on the prosecuting council against us. He'll be the advocate pleading our case. The Apostle John states it confidently in 1 John 2, 1, where he says, if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So the first three promises come to us as great news today. God is for us. God will not bring charges against us. And Christ makes condemnation impossible for us. These promises from God's word, they're trustworthy, they're true. The fourth promise of our text should bring that joy, that confidence, that peace and hope to every one of us here today. Because in verses 35 to 39, we are told that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from God's love. This has got to be one of the greatest comforts to a discouraged believer. Can anything ever make Christ cease to love me? Paul responds, no, nothing. God loves you no matter what. Now the world likes to point out our trials and our afflictions are the proof that Jesus really doesn't love us. And even Jesus was put to the test on that score. When the mockers at the cross said, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. 
And those same words are directed at you and me today. We hear it. You trust in God. Let God heal your body. Let God rescue you from bankruptcy. Let God prevent death from visiting your family. And if we're honest, we have to admit that there are times when we feel like God must have forgotten us. He must have stopped caring for us. Our family is wrestling with a difficult health situation with my sister Kathy and her husband Mark. Kathy has MS. She's depended on Mark as her primary caregiver over the past few years. But this last summer, a year ago, Mark was diagnosed with bone cancer, or blood cancer rather, which he continues to fight. His recent bone marrow transplant was somewhat successful and he's hospitalized here in the Twin Cities. But Kathy's condition has worsened and we pray every day for healing for both Kathy and Mark. Some days we hear good news. Other days we hear about setbacks. And believe me, it is so easy to become cynical, to question God's love and his care in times like this. But that is why God's word today is so important to me and to you. Do you believe his word? Do you believe those promises? Because Christ's love for you has not grown cold. Just as God the Father continued to love his son while he allowed him to endure the agonies of the cross, his love for us will never be severed. So back to the question we started with. Is Christianity that cruel joke that we're deluding ourselves with? Author Keith Miller, in his book, Habitation of Dragons, writes, When that panicky feeling stirs in my chest, my mind scans all the world's bright opportunities and material signs of fulfillment for an option to this life of faith. And I ask myself, of all the things you've tried and tasted, what is more real than this relationship with the living God and his people. And whatever else that has seemed important fades away. So I smile and I sigh, and again, with a deep sense of release, I offer my life to Jesus Christ and to the finding of his place for me in his family. Be comforted today in your faith in Christ. Because God has no empty promises. In hardships or in any of life's disappointments, know that God is for you. That your Savior, Jesus Christ, is advocating for you. And there's absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love and care that you have in Christ Jesus. 
Our Heavenly Father, we are amazed and humbled again by your love and your grace. Forgive us for doubting and for blaming you when things go bad. Thank you that you welcome us back to our place in your family through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So the scripture says God is for you. He doesn't accuse you. He doesn't condemn you. And there's nothing that can separate you from his love. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.